We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It is Friday, and I am joined once again by the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Mike, how are you doing? We have a ton to discuss after, unfortunately, another Packers loss. But what's new, first of all? Andy, thanks for having me on. Uh, nothing nothing too new this week. Just I, I spent a lot of time watching different tape of different games, different teams. Uh, Packers being uh, spending a couple hours on the Packers, and, and it's uh, it's – this is a very they're kind of in a unique situation from from the recent history. This is a this is a different team right now than we're used to seeing for sure. I think that's the thing, right? Like if you would have told me they were 3 and 3 and they started off with a little bit of a struggle and you know, it was maybe they lose to Tampa Bay on a last second, you know, Tom Brady drive and maybe they, you know, maybe Minnesota gets them at the last second and they have a couple, you know, a couple losses that are competitive but just you know, ball doesn't bounce their way or something like that. 
you know, so be it. I understand it. I get it. I knew there was going to be some hiccups going into this season as they try to change over some personnel and try to be a different identity on offense and defense. But uh, I think three and three is almost generous. You know, Tampa Bay didn't have any wide receivers in that game. Minnesota punched him in the mouth. Jets punched him in the mouth. Giants punched him in the mouth. They barely get through Patriots at home with ba- Bailey Zappi, a quarterback, have to go to overtime for that game. Really, it's just like a, a Bears team that's, you know, barely a football team right now is the only game that looked anywhere near decent in my opinion. And I think, you know, outside of like, I don't really care about the record, just the overall process right now isn't where we would expect it to be. Yeah, certainly. And we, we try to talk about process as much as possible, right? Because you, everybody, it's very, very easy for us to just stare at the record and make some judgments. But I think that is the disturbing part right now. When when you look at the entire process and I think it starts all the way at the top, you know, Aman and I have talked about this. We talked about it last year at length, and we've talked about it. You know, what's what's the culture in Green Bay? What exactly are we trying to foster? You you hear the comments from Coach Salah after the game is, you know, put him in the deep water where they're going to find out they can't swim comments. I mean, that that is as damning a statement as you can make about the culture of the Green Bay Packers. The, the people I'm talking about the entirety of the personnel, staff, coaching staff, players that they've acquired. That is a damning statement that you've made about a team and he knows the people in that building pretty well. So, you know, it, if, if you're not thinking about that in the, if you're in that building and not thinking about that statement and how that affects you and how that affects you individually, what they, what that reflection, excuse me, not affects, but what that reflects on you individually, you got some problems. It's interesting because it feels like there are so many talking points that have come out of this week. The special teams failing once again, defense gives three straight drives uh, when the game is in the balance uh, offense, clearly offensive line, wide receiver, everything's an issue in offense. Aaron Rodgers is a big talking point. The simplification simplification of the offense is a big talking point. It feels like that talking point, the, the Robert Sala, after the game, basically saying that if we keep leaning on the Packers, they're going to quit, uh, did not get as much attention as I think it normally would have uh, in, in, in a normal week. That was, like you said, that is a damning statement. And it's one, like it, it, a, it's crazy that he said it. And then B like, he's right. They have, that's a million percent what happened. They kept running the ball, kept running the ball, kept playing a physical brand of football and green Bay had no answer for it. And it was very clear, uh, especially after that long touchdown run by Brees Hall that, you know, green Bay just didn't have it in them to get it back. It was, it was a damning statement and it was all true. Yeah, it, it has been true. Um, I think that, listen, I, I'm not in the building. I can't say this for sure. I'm speculating. I've, I've been in a lot of buildings over a lot, of, you know, over decades in this league. And when you see what is being put out on the field, and not just this year, but you see, you know, the, given the talent that you have, given the division that you've been in, you start going like, listen, you, the Packers can't apologize for being in the NFC North, but if they were in the NFC West last year, they're not a 13 and three team. Right. If, if they're, you know, if you look at it, it's just, that is what it is. So, we can look at everyone can look at these regular season records over the last couple of years. And this isn't time to, you know, if any time was the time to pull the panic button, I'm not sure it's right now. That's not what, that's not my point of this, but you have to look at the history of how they operate in the, in the postseason. They're playing against diff- difficult teams. You have to operate. You have to look at how they operate when they're playing against teams that are just generally more physical than they are, how they adjust to that, how they adjust from a schematic standpoint, how they adjust from an attitude standpoint, what happens when they get punched in the mouth. These are things that as a football player, matter to me much more than an individual breakdown of performance. And that's where I think when you're trying to put together a team, and I'm talking about the entire locker room building organization, when you're trying to put all this stuff together, if you don't have a culture by design and you have culture by default, basically like you have words up on the, on the wall, but you're not living them every day. 
then you have the ability to fall into a hole, a rut that you don't know how to get out of. And that's what will be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks because forget the commander's game. It's an important game, but there's a lot of difficult games coming up on the schedule. It'll be interesting to, interesting to see, given the talent they have, if they can turn this thing around, if they have that culture within that building to do what's, not, what's required to be done. It's such an interesting journey from Matt LaFleur starting with the Packers up until now, because I think some of the issues, and, and you've pointed to this very clearly, but there's there's issues that are happening right now that have been an issue for a while, but they keep winning 13 games every regular season. They lose three games, lose three games, lose four games. And two of the games they lost last year was a game they didn't care about in the last regular season game and a Chiefs game where they you know, were on the road and didn't have Aaron Rodgers in that game. So it's like they, they don't lose. So it's really difficult to nitpick at the process and be like, uh, well, it's clearly working. They're winning 13 games every single year. And then when they get the ultimate punch in the mouth, it actually has only come really in the playoffs. And then you lose and it starts over, right? Like you, like everything starts fresh and you're like, all right, this is going to be a new season. So you don't really get that time to marinate on that loss and like, you know, and any of that, because now you're going into a new season with new players and everything starts anew. And you go from that gut wrenching loss to the 49ers in the playoffs to another 13 win season, gut wrenching loss to the Buccaneers, another 13 win season, gut wrenching loss to the 49ers. And then you start over again. And now I think you start getting into the point where now you're losing some of these regular season games. You see some of the flaws that you saw in the previous three years that you didn't, you know, maybe worry about quite as much because they were winning games. Now they're losing those games. And now it's making you kind of rethink, all right, let's go, let's rewind almost a little bit, review what's happened since the Matt LaFleur era started. And some of this stuff starts accumulating. And I think you hit the nail on the head with just some of the toughness and how they fare against more physical football teams. It's hard to say. I, I would, I, the one, the one thing that is, is true is, is the common denominator here is they've had talent every single year and they've probably walked onto the field 90% of the time with more talent than the other team. Yeah. That's, that's a tip of the cap to Goody. That's a tip in the cap to the like guys like Adam Stenovich being able to develop the, the people beside within the offensive line room and in, in the years that he was in that room. Um, you lose it. Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is an incredible player. Uh, the offense should not fall off like it has so far. We we have players back that from injury that um, it just doesn't look. I, I would say if you look at the offense overall, except for maybe Aaron Jones, I don't think you can point to a player that you say, oh, he's playing better than he was last year or in, in years past. And I think when that happens, it could be five people be that because of the player, because the player's not putting in the time. In other words, the player's gotten fat and happy. That could be the case with five. It could. It's not the case with fourteen players. It's. It's just not. There's something else going on. I think anybody who's been in a locker room, anybody who's covered a team, is well aware. Like there's a handful of guys that are always like that, and that's fine. That's just the way of the world. You know, you get fat and happy. But if there's 13, 14 guys that are not performing at the level, then there's something else happening in in, in that building, and they need to figure out what it is. It's interesting because you mentioned like the talent on offense and losing Devontae Adams and, you know, and what his loss potentially means. Maybe I was just flat out wrong. And that certainly has happened before and it'll certainly happen again. But there's definitely a part of me going into this season where I was like, yeah, they're going to miss Adams. But remember, at the end of last season, they didn't have Jenkins. They didn't have Bakhtiari. They didn't have Tunyon. And then they clearly didn't have like a Romeo Dobbs, you know, either at that point because he wasn't on the team. If you would tell me, if you would have told me like, 
if you could trade Devontae Adams and let's just say Billy Turner and Dennis Kelly for Robert Tunyon, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Romeo Dobbs, I would say I would rather have the Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Dobbs, Tunyon group than the Adams, you know, Billy Turner, Dennis Kelly group. Just because I value offensive line that much, I felt like Bakhtiari and Jenkins would have the huge, you know, impact coming back. They've gotten by with some lesser receivers in the past and getting Tunyon back, I thought would be, uh, you know, super helpful as well. That has clearly not been the case. I think in large part to the fact that specifically Elton Jenkins not playing the way that we expected him to coming back from injury, playing a new position. Bakhtiari, I thought at his best week this uh, week of uh, his, his return from injury. Um, but clearly it's just not been the same. And I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's not just that group of players that I just mentioned, but it's almost everyone on offense not meeting expectations so far. Yeah, certainly. When I talk to Billy last year, he's looking pretty good right now. Uh, I know he, I know he's been injured, but you know he's he. You don't need a, a spectacular player at right tackle. You need a guy that can hold the you know ward off the the rusher for three seconds, and that's really what Billy turned into. He could a lot of help on on you know helping out tight ends or, or combo blocks with guards on in the run game. But he's very very competent. Um, for me, and and this is with all respect to what goes on and the work that coaches put in to the game plan and the hours that they pour through and the time they miss away from their family, which is part of the job, but it is a very, very difficult profession. Yeah. This feels like, and I've been on these teams. This feels like for the first time since Matt LaFour got here, his staff has to work. This is because Devonte Adams is gone and, and Aaron Rodgers is looking around like, Okay, I don't have a free shot anymore. He had a free play with Devontae Adams yeah. 30 times a game if he wanted it. And he doesn't have a free play anymore. He doesn't have a guy that he just knows no matter what, he's going to get open. And so you have to now become more efficient. You have to become – I don't think you have to become more creative, but you have to become more reflective of what your team is – like we talked about it last week, Andy. We knew exactly – watching tape, you knew exactly where these guys were vulnerable and where they were strong. And yeah. they beat the brakes off us where they were strong, and we did not attack where they were vulnerable. We had three, four in total quick traps and outside toss crack plays in the entire they were game. Vulnerable. Yep. And you just and they were effective. And they you know, worked. Well, I was going to say they worked. Yeah. And and they just didn't run them. And it's and, but we did run a lot of single blocks play side and get beat. And we talked about it on your show. We talked about it on our show. That was that was going to get beat because our guys are not as good as them in single block uh, versus penetrating defensive linemen. It's just a fact of life. So you have to make those adjustments. I don't think they've made those adjustments as of this point. No, I totally agree. And that, for the second straight week, right, we talked about it against the Giants of what the Giants did well and how uh, they used a ton of play action, ton of bootleg, obviously ran the ball a ton with Saquon Barkley. And then for TJ Slayton to say after the game that he wasn't expecting that, it was like, I don't know. I don't know what to say after that. And then we talked about it ad nauseum um, on, on the show. You talked about it on your show. I talked about it on my scouting report show as well of the gap penetrating Jets defense. And like here, like what, like single stretch play to the zone first day install. Uh, and you've got, you know, what Quinn and Williams shooting up the gap right up the field and four, four yard loss for Aaron Jones on the play. And it just is, it's crazy to me that green Bay is not, allowing their like Aaron Jones, their playmaker to cook and get him going. And yet they're also not doing anything to stop the opposing team's big time players, Dexter Lawrence, Quinn and Williams, et cetera, from breaking up the game. It's like, it's almost like they're playing into the opposing team's hands, which is maybe one of the most frustrating things of all. Yeah. When you, you know, it's funny, you look at different, well, it's, it's almost like they're going, 
they almost think that they, they that Elton Jenkins is playing guard. You know, it's like they, it's like they forgot that they put him at tackle. Yeah, you know what I mean. And again, this to me, this just really speaks of and it, and it is a difficult job, and it's so easy for us to sit here. I know we said it beforehand, but sit here beforehand, retrospect. Not, you know, we're not getting paid the big bucks to call plays, right? But when you go into a, when you go in on a Monday or a Tuesday, and you're scheming the offensive plan against the opposing defense, and you sit down and you watch the tape, you have to look at, and this is where a lot of coaching staffs fall flat on their face. To be honest with you, I don't know the Green Bay is one of them, but this is where they fall flat on their face. They do not. They look at scheme. They're scheme guys. They do not look at the, the matchups and they do not look at the strengths and weaknesses. In other words, they don't go, there's a fish, like the right defensive ends a fish. We're going to attack him until they prove that they can stop it. We're going to keep attacking. Hey, our left guard versus their right defensive tackle is a bad matchup. We're going to double team that play side as often as possible. If you're not thinking that way, then you're going to struggle in this league, even if you have a four-time MVP at quarterback. It's just, that's a fact of life. I could be wrong, but I have. It feels to me like Matt Lafleur and the Packers are more of attacking what the opposing scheme is giving to you, rather than attacking the individual matchups and the the players that are your strengths. And I mean, I think the easy way to tell that is because again, you're not featuring Aaron Jones a ton these past couple of weeks. You're not trying to get it in your best players' hands. They're trying to attack single press man or you know man to man single high coverage on the outside. And yeah, you guess what the the, a lot of times the scheme is dictating that should be the place that you're trying to attack on the field, but Rogers hasn't been able to complete those passes with any level of consistency. It's a completely inefficient play for the Packers offense. Clearly opposing defenses are daring them to do anything about it. They haven't been able to. And it was like, I think Matt LaFleur made a comment of like how the jets played way more single high press man than they were, you know, expecting that they've ever done in the past. And it's what? not, not expecting, sorry, that they've done oh. in the past that they've done in the past. Let me correct that. So that they played a ton. Well, it's like, yeah, because you can't do anything against it right now. So um, yeah, there's just, a, there's a lot going on right now. I, 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 I agree with you. I mean, I, I just, when you just said that, I just, my mind goes back to my, my jets tape scouting report. They will play a lot of single high press man against us. I mean, like literally line four. Yeah. Because, because, because one, they like to play it. They, they drafted a guy in the first round to play that specifically. And two, they don't think they, you know, they're going, you know, our, their Pac-Man is going to eat our ghost. Like they're better than us in that, at that position. So that's that, again, that to me, a lot of times in this league, guys have to like, how do guys, how do coaches, I mean, we can go into this forever, Andy, but how, how do coaches get jobs, right? Yep. They, they become offensive geniuses. Now there's a, there's a couple of defensive coaches. Robert Salah is one of them. Yep. Right. But a lot of guys are offensive geniuses or they know offensive geniuses. And so you're, you are almost by default a scheme guy. Now there's, I think there's a handful of guys in the league. I think that Mike McDaniel down in the, down in Miami is some, is like the next generation of, he's a little bit more than that. The way that he talks about attacking individuals, the way he talks about teaching technique and te in, in the context of their tactics and scheme is a little bit different. But you get you become famous and popular and you get jobs in this league from being an offensive guru or being around an offensive guru. So all of that points to PowerPoint. Like I can put I can draw up a scheme that's going to beat your scheme, like to your point. And at the end of all of this, like I always look at it like this. At some point, Watson, there's going to be two Watsons on either sideline calling the best offense and defense. And it's going to come down to who can execute better, meaning 
who has the better technique. So in a battle of equal opponents, technique is always going to win, yet we are not prioritizing technique in this system right now. And that's why our guys are getting beat at the individual level. We can point to guys getting beat on tape all day, and their technique is poor, their footwork's poor, their body position is poor. And for some reason, that part's not getting got it, not getting fixed, right? They're not running the red line on the sideline routes. Like, it's received from a receiver standpoint. These things aren't happening, and if they, if they don't get fixed, I don't care how many X's and O's you can put up, it's not going to happen. I don't know if it should give me cause for concern or any pause whatsoever, but like you mentioned how coaches get their jobs and stuff. It's at least worth noting. And I know they're, they're two totally different scenarios. One of which their quarterback is declining. The other, which has a really rough offense, but Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getze, the two coaches from the Matt LaFleur system, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver, Luke Getze in Chicago, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, all three of those offenses massively struggling right now. Did not, did not a coincidence brought that up two weeks ago. Uh, if you look at the the coaches that are affiliated with Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady, arguably the three best quarterbacks in the last thirty years, and you look at the track record of those people when they go to when they go to get promoted to another team, offensive coordinator, head coach, it is not pretty. They do not perform well because the system. It's like you know I had Adam Gase for a head coach down in Miami, and Adam Gase is a really smart guy, but let's be honest, he made his bones. Call him plays for Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has his own staff when he walks in the building. He doesn't need a coach, right? Peyton Manning he is, is the coach. coach. He is Peyton the coach. Manning, yeah. Peyton Manning runs off, runs the offense during during practice. So it's not a knock on those guys. It's just a fact of life. I would be more interested. You're kind of more interested in guys that hey, if you have average talent and you're out and you're outperforming, those always kind of seem like the the obvious picks. But I think to owners, it's not so obvious. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, we've talked about that in the past as well. It's it's the the coaches that are doing a lot more with less. Brian Dable right now, fantastic example, what they're doing in New York with that offensive personnel. That That's a sign of a very good coach. There's no Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady in that offense, and yet they're still finding ways to win football games. All right, we got we to gotta talk about the offensive line because uh, this was – I don't even know what adjective you want to use for the play of the offensive line. I'm just going to ask you, what did you see? What were you most frustrated by and what is fixable and what's not fixable for this offensive line right now? Uh, let's just start with, they put them in positions that I thought were disadvantageous. We, you know, we can talk about that ad nauseum, but you do, you know, your responsibility is when they call the play, regardless is to win. I see guys that are playing with poor technique. Uh, I see guys that are making, having communication errors. We had a communication error between Elgin uh, Jenkins and Royce Newman uh, that, that, that when Sauce Gardner came off the edge, they didn't check that out. And so 91 came down and had a play in the backfield early in the game. We have communication errors on, on stunts and twists on stunts and twists. You know, everyone's on, on, you know, all the fans are worried. Why can't we block a stunt or a twist? Well, because we let players get into our chest. We don't extend them out, use our footwork on our hands to extend them out and pass them off. So you have cushion of space to, to operate in. Um, you, you just see, you know, like, like uh, I think on the play where uh, I think 95 got his first sack um, and Royce trying to kind of tries to close the door on him. Well, that's not a technique. That's just a, that's, that's you thinking that that's going to work and it doesn't. And then you're surprised. It's the, you know, the hardest thing about offensive line play, honestly, is, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, and I, we all did this. And it's like when you're older, you kind of figure out this is wrong. But consistency is king. In other words, my best pass set, I have to be confident that my best pass set can beat you. And, and that's the one I'm going to practice. So when you see people going off script, whether they step underneath themselves, whether they go flat instead of kicking back at an angle, whatever, like if they go off script, it's kind of like you deserve to lose. Don't be, don't be surprised. If you get them once, twice, great, good for you. You got lucky. You deserve, if you're not doing the things the way that you are properly coached and you're not taking the time to improve your technique every single day, which it doesn't look like these guys are because they're making the same mistakes, then you have to look at, all right, are they being, like, do they want to do it? Like, they can do it. We've seen most of them can do it. Yeah. So do they want to do it? Or are, they, are they being honest with it and pra- about it in practice? And then are they being required to do they have the intrinsic motivation whatever it is to fix the problems at the base root cause level which for 90 percent of the problems that they have is footwork their footwork is not where it needs to be 
Is this, in your opinion, something new this season, or are these things that you've picked up on over the last couple seasons um, with some of these players as well, and it just hasn't improved? It seems worse to my very blind, naked eye this year than it was in the past, but have you seen any changes this year? Um, I would say that it's worse this year. I I think that, you know, listen, they switched coaches. Adam Sinovich was a good coach. I can't, I, I don't know the other, you know, the, the new coach, Luke. I don't know him. Uh, I know that Senevich has a track record, a track record of, of developing talent. I'll say this. Myers has taken a step back in the last couple of weeks. Agreed. Um, John Runyon Jr. had his worst game of the year. Agreed. Um, Royce has struggled, and we kind of knew that he was going to struggle. We, I think everybody talked about that's the position that you'd like to find a solution for. When they moved Elgin Jake, and see, the thing that is perplexing to me, looking back at all this, is – if you got a guy coming off an ACL, why are you making him switch positions and go to the other side of the line? I, I that doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, the 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 skill set doesn't translate one to one, and he certainly had his frustrations out there. I think at least in pass pro. Yep. And what you have to think about is now you've put like you had a Billy Turner there for for all his you know flaws and everything. Billy Turner was a solid right tackle who was competent in this in this scheme. And so you could fit, you know, kind of competent, competent. You could, if Royce could be in there and act, you know, in a, in a manner that, you know, he can run his doubles, he can run his slip calls, he can run slide protection, but not because you had a guy out at right tackle who'd played the position for a long time. Now you have kind of a second year guy, a second year starter and a first time starter at the position. And now it's like, no wonder you have problems. And then, so every once in a while, you know, John Runyon gets beat on the backside of that outside zone play. And, but th- he's not playing well, and he got beat a lot in pass pro. But generally speaking, he hasn't played poor this year. But on that right side, it's like you can't have three guys right next to each other not playing at a high level. That's tough. It very much is, and we saw the effects of that specifically the last two weeks, but it's been kind of all season long. And really against the Jets, it reared its ugly head to a much higher degree. It seems like there would be an easy fix potentially just to move Elton back inside and maybe just worry about one position rather than two. I feel like Elton is, listen, he's a great athlete, but I feel like he's better in a phone booth where he can anchor and just get his hands on people and not have to worry quite as much about the agility, especially coming off, like you said, an ACL injury. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for for what they're going to do moving forward, but it doesn't get easier this week. This Washington defensive front, that's the, that's like the one strength of their football team uh, with Payne and Allen and Sweat in that group. Like they can get after you a little bit. Like that's the first thing I'm going to be watching in this game. All first rounders. I mean, if Chase Young was there, it'd be four first rounders against these guys. And I think they have, I think they're leading the league in sacks. I think they have 23 sacks or something like that. Um Listen, they give up big plays. They're not a great defense by any no. stretch of the imagination. This is the – I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Washington Commanders and the Green Bay Packers are kind of the same football team right now. You know, you take away the skill level of the quarterback position, although I do think Heineke is going to play a lot better than Wentz, and I think they'll perform better on offense with, with Heineke in there than I Wentz. Agree. I think it's just one of those things, change, change of scenery, shot in the arm kind of deal. McClellan likes him, right? He, they, they have a good rapport. So uh, that defensive line – has the ability to get after the quarterback. Now they're not a penetrating off the ball first snap, going to be two yards in the backfield defensive line like the Jets were, right? They but they are all first rounders. They all move extremely well. They they've got five guys that have over three sacks, so they can get it from everywhere. Um, if you allow, particularly Jonathan Allen, 
If you allow Jonathan Allen to take over this game, he will take over the game. Deron Payne's a, uh, Deron Payne's a great player. Montez Sweat, you know, it's like, this is kind of what we talk about from a personal matchup standpoint, Andy. Like, run where Montez Sweat is not. Let's just make it real easy. We can capture the edge on every single other guy they have out there. But do not run where Montez Sweat is because he's his his best is better than our best right now. You can play, you can do down blocks, you can go tight end, tackle combination blocks on every other player. Just walk out, pick a side that he's not there, and run that way. It's like it's it's I know that sounds stupid, but football is really not that hard. We we try to make it really difficult, and it's not. They've got tons of plays, they give up big, you know, 10 play, you know, 10 yard runs, 20 yard runs. They got tons of explosives in the run and pass game. You just have to know where not to go. I'm excited about our conversation next week as to why they ran 20 times at Montez Sweat, and we'll uh, be able to break it down at that point. Uh, what did you make of Aaron Rodgers' comments about simplifying the offense? Something to it, much ado about nothing. Where did you come down on that? Frustrated quarterback, very simply. Just a frustrated quarterback. Um, you know, I think what happens a lot is when you, you know, when you look at a play sheet, like if the play sheet's the size of your TV screen, and guys aren't executing and like an ideal play sheet for, I think any quarterback, any offensive lineman, wide receiver is a play sheet that has, let's say 12 to 15 themes. And then you have four or five personnel groups of formations that you run the same theme after. Right. So I, you know, you know we talk about scissor concepts or, you know, sale routes, you talk about your inside zone, outside zone, gap scheme, toss crack, but it's all the same stuff. And what happens sometimes is you just keep adding to the play sheet instead of, you know, it's like, it's not a one-to-one. Every time I put one in, I got to take one out. It just, will, hey, we'll make the play sheet. We'll make the font a little bit smaller, right? And those players are responsible for that. And what happens is just from a rep standpoint in practice, let's say the offense gets 40 reps in practice every day. Well, if you have to waste even a rep on something that you're probably not going to run, you're just wasting your time. And I think the frustration comes when you don't, you see guys underperforming on stuff that you feel we shouldn't be running anyway. Yeah, that's it's very similarly to how I took it. It just felt to me that this was like a, hey, we, we need to walk before we run sort of thing where it's like, we got to get back to doing the basics, the fundamentals. We got to make sure we can pick up protections up front. Um, and we got to make sure that, you know, everyone's running the, the route that they're supposed to be running and maybe not make things quite as complex. I think everyone would love to have this super unique, crazy, complex offense. But if you can't do the basics first, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Let me, let me say this too, Andy. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you see it the same way. Aaron Rodgers is a, has a PhD, PhD level uh, degree in this offense. So when he's saying that, what he's saying is, I would prefer to have eight good pass plays where my receivers know every side adjustment and they run them perfectly than having 37 pass plays and they miss a side adjustment, right? And it's like, I, I can run, like I guarantee, I've said this, I mean, this, this is the NFL. You will win 10 games a year, 12 games a year. If you have above average players that are technical, technical masters that run a simple offense extremely well, you do not need all of this other stuff. Like all this other stuff is essentially masking the ability of some of the guys in your team to actually play football. And so if you just teach them how to play football really well and be super intelligent, have a high football IQ, 
you can get you can do a ton of damage in this league because there's not a lot of good teams. I mean, look at the, this is bad football we're watching. Thursday really night football is terrible. Monday yeah. night football is terrible. Half these games are terrible. Aaron or Tom Brady came out and said the, he's not playing good football, but he said, "Boy, this is a lot of bad football we're watching." There's like two games a week that are actually good, you know, fun games to watch from an execution standpoint. It's not that the defense are playing well. Like all the defensive players are saying, sitting here going, we don't have like all the calls are going against us. They're changing the rules to make the and the offenses are awful, right? And it's just because we're just you're trying to you're, it's like you're trying to you're trying to shovel fifty pounds of dog poop into a twenty five pound bag all the time, man. It's like seeping out everywhere. Can't hide it. Do you have a, a theory on because it has been? I, I thought this is the worst brand of football I've seen in a long time. Like there's games that I'm like, man, this is like you know, XFL, USFL uh, level football. And I, like, I think part of it is the, the you know, reduced reps in, in training camp and less preseason and getting guys ready. It seems like defenses are a little bit ahead of the offenses. But to your point, like there's just some really bad offense too. And any theories on anything? Yeah, I'm, Andy, I'm a skill development guy. So when I, when I see guys doing poorly, I just meet my eyes go to their feet. Their feet are terrible. I go to their body position. Their body position isn't right. And they're not being taught proper technique. They're not being like, they don't know how to transfer all that work they do in the weight room and on, you know, the, the, the track to the, to the field. They just don't understand how to transfer it as well as they used to. Yeah. We can talk about practice reps, but you're getting paid to be in the NFL. This is a job. And so if you're telling me like, it's so easy for the media and coaches to complain about practice reps. Oh, we're not, we don't have enough training camp. Okay. You know what? Guys hire people like me, good players, because they understand, like, this is a job. I'm getting paid a lot of money to do it. I'm going to make sure that I'm in the best position possible to be successful. Like, I'm going to create my own conditions for success. And if guys aren't doing that, then, you know, you got to go palms up with some of these players, man. You got to get, you got to figure out when you're making, when you're drafting across the board, draft guys that are football players. Like, you'll, we talked about it last week, football players versus athletes. Get as many football players as you can in your team. And then you find those special athletes that are willing to work. Let's uh, a couple last questions before we get out of here. I want to ask you just in general, I know things are sort of collapsing around him a little bit. Offensive line hasn't been what it's expected. Doesn't have a Devonte Adams, but just trying to evaluate Aaron Rodgers in a vacuum. What are your thoughts on his play so far this year? Last week was one of the first times that you could kind of say definitively that he saw the rush. Like he missed some, he missed some throws. He missed the, uh, he missed the uh, the inside nine to Dobbs in cover four. That it was like it opened like the Red Sea, but unfortunately Jenkins got beat across his face, and he had to move around a little bit. And it's just a throw he makes. Yeah. He's definitely frustrated. Um, he is a perfectionist. We just talked about it. he's a PhD level guy, uh, and when people aren't playing to his expectations. You know, I think the the competitor in him, whatever you want to call that, is, you know, rightfully aggravated. And when, you know, I, this is a hard thing, but, you know, Brett Favre knew the offense better than the coaches because he was intimate with it. Right. I I would guess in some sense that's the case here. And so when things aren't working, he's like, well, why don't we do this? And they're not. You know, and then he starts going to the media and making these statements. And now we have to, you know, we have to pontificate on whether or not he meant Matt LaFleur is a problem. The offensive lines are, pro you know, this is what happens. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested to see how they're going to respond this week. This to me, like you got Buffalo the week after you lose to Washington and Washington, you're probably losing to Buffalo and Buffalo. All of a sudden you've got a four game losing streak. You're three and five have another road game after that against the lions. And then things don't get any easier with your schedule. Where, where is this Packer team at right now? What's your sort of prediction for the rest of the season and is this still a team that is like, hey, they're going to be in the playoffs? They're going to be competitive for the NFC North? Or is there a lot more concern at this point? I definitely think there's a lot more concern. But you, this is a, still an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. You still have David Bakhtiari. You still have Aaron Jones. I mean, you still have weapons. Kenny Clark is still a player. Rashawn Gary is still a player. There's just sometimes with these teams, listen, success is a problem because you lose Luke Getze. You lose... Uh, Hackett and whether or not we can see now whether you know what kind of like just because Hackett's not doing a good job at, at, at as a head coach doesn't mean he was a terrible coordinator or a terrible person right. for Rodgers right same thing with Getsy. he could have been a good quarterbacks guy he's just not a good play call like those things th- those aren't the same and uh I, I think what happens is the transition period on all of that stuff is difficult I think that I, I mean we talked about it this is the first time in three three years plus that this coaching staff doesn't have the easy answer to throw it to Devontae. Yeah. And Aaron doesn't have it too. And, and you have to make those adjustments. But listen, they could go three and five, and I'd still say they're going to make the playoffs. I, I just think the NFC's that way. And, and you, Aaron, you just you just assume until he proves otherwise that he's going to get on a hot streak. Yeah, it, it feels like there could be a you know R-E-L-A-X run the table moment at any given moment with this team. As mentioned at the onset, I always expected there to be uh, a little bit more adversity and, and some struggles to start this season as they kind of go through a change philosophically of what type of team they want to be. I wish some of those uh, changes were going a little bit quicker and coming a little bit easier than they are, but that's life in the NFL and other teams right now are executing. Green Bay's not, and I think this is a really intriguing game this week. Mike, any final thoughts before we get out of here or where uh, can we follow you on Twitter and follow Process to Perform? Yeah, check us out, uh, MikeWell68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram. I actually just did a process to, for- process to Perform interview with Idzik Rappaport. He is a mental uh, mental development coach. He's actually mindset develop- Mindset Coach Pro on Instagram, on TikTok. Check him out. Nice. Uh, you can get Process to Perform anywhere you get your podcast. Good interview. Really interesting stuff for parents of aspiring athletes. And uh, We'll keep pounding away with this stuff, Andy. You know, it's it, this will be this will be an interesting weekend. Like I said, I, these these teams are actually more evenly matched than you'd like to admit. Um, they're kind of going through some similar stuff, so I'm looking forward to it. What, what really quick before we go, what what's more fun for you? Is it is is there a level of fun when you're watching the tape and you can see some of the things that are going wrong and like it gets your juices flowing of like, all right, here's what they can do to fix it, or do you just enjoy really when you throw on the film and everything's like, I right, I love what this is going on. Like some of the things the Eagles are doing are really great right now. Like what what gets you a little bit more juiced up when you're watching film? Um, it if I have no if I have no dog in the race, I just it doesn't matter to me at all, honestly. Um, yeah. if I have a dog, if I have a dog in the, or, you know, if I have a, a, was it a horse in a race, dog in a fight, if I have yep. a dog in a fight, then, you know, then I want that guy to do well. Uh, if I, if I have friends and people that people that I'm trying to support then I want them to do well, but otherwise I just like watching ball, you know, yeah. if there's a really good defensive player and, and there's, you know, or a defensive you know, teams running a scheme, that's just beating the brakes off an offensive lineman. Yeah. I can kind of, it's just, you, you know, you, the focus point changes, right? Like everyone else is looking at the ball. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at where the linebackers are, are going on play fakes. It's like you, you, your mind just kind of shifts to different things, right? But it, it's all fun 
It's not, it's just different. I'm right there with you. I'm uh, in a weird way. I'm a little bit excited that this Packers team is facing some adversity in the regular season uh, before they have to face it in the playoffs. And we've seen how that's gone in recent seasons. So hopefully they can learn and grow from this. Sometimes that's the best way to learn and grow is when you're punched in the face and you have to learn how to not get punched in the face again. I'm really interested to see how this week goes. Make sure to follow Mike on Twitter at MikeWall68. And of course, follow Process to Perform as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.